0: 30, 30 up to 30 to 20. What's your pleasure, 20 up to 20, 10.
2: I wanted to find out how auctioneers do that. And since I was gonna try my hand at auctioneering for the first time, I figured I'd ask for advice from some of the best in the business, including America's oldest auctioneer, who's 102 years old.
3: It's a serious business, but kicking a little uh, humor and all of that.
2: Plus the guy who auctioned off that $28 million seat on Jeff Bezos's rocket ship.
1: Even if you're going very fast, most of the words are not important, and you just make up your own.
2: Plus, insights from the lead charity auctioneer for Christie's.
4: Get up there and be big, because this is a performance. Auctioneering is entertainment, so entertain them. Find out how I did when I got
2: the golden gavel in my hand. Shark Lucky navigator. you, if you want to clean up the ruins of your life, you can have a shark navigator <laughs> vacuum. Don't we all just want to vacuum up all of our troubles? This is going to start at... I'm Kyone Wolf. That's coming up next on Audacious, right after the news. From Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford, this is Audacious. I'm Kyone Wolf. The price at auction for one seat on a rocket ship started at $4,800,000. Looking
1: for $4,900,000. I have $4,900,000 now, looking for $5,000,000. $5,000,000 now, $5,100,000. It's $5,000,000 in the front.
2: And it took just four minutes and 51 seconds to get to this.
1: Sold $28 million
3: to number 107.
2: That was, of course, the scene from the auction of a ticket to ride into space with Jeff Bezos on his rocket ship New Shepard. Today, whether it's charity auctions, estate auctions, or auctions to spend just a few precious minutes in space away from this giant rock spinning mercilessly through a glorious void, what it's like be an auctioneer. You'll meet America's oldest auctioneer. He's 102. And one of the most successful charity auctioneers there is anywhere. And make sure you stay to the very end of the show. That's when you'll hear audio from my first time auctioneering with help from the good folks at Golden Gavel Auctions in East Windsor, Connecticut. But let's get back to that rocket ship auctioneer who pulled in $28 million for that ticket to space. Steve Little of Rockville, Maryland was the voice you heard, and he's been raising money this way for over 31 years. So how did it feel to step up to that podium and start that auction? I mean, he must have known how big a deal this was going to be, right? No matter what you think of Jeff Bezos or the privatization of spaceflight or the huge price tag this seat would go for, this event he was in charge of would be a momentous occasion in his life, right?
1: Well, that feeling got stronger and stronger as it got to about 30 minutes before the auction began. I don't think people really thought it would be that much of a a big deal. I I mean, I thought it would be, we'd do the auction, we'd sell the seat, and for some reason it became, I mean, it was very exciting. I think for me, I was very excited to do it because, wow, I mean, you know, and but when you have an auction, most auctions have couple hundred things you're selling, you know, when it's one item, then it's kind of a make or break situation. And then when I had seen in person, when I got up to the, you know, where we were having the auction in Boston, and I'd seen how much work Blue Origin had put into this, how nice and positive they were, so open minded, they were great to work with. And it was just all of a sudden all their work. Because remember, I don't know if you remember, they had online auction first and it stopped two days before the live auction. And at that point, the high bid was 4,900,000. That's already a terrific amount of money. And so it began to dawn on me about 30 minutes before the auction started, like, wow, I I guess I have to pretty much do this. Bring it home. Nobody, right, right. I was the only one The camera. I mean, it was, and I thought, well, so I started practicing, uh, reading my intro over and over. I started running through the different the increments that we were using. I've been at a lot of auctions though, so you just have to one point one point or another just step in there and do it. Once the auction started, then I was fine.
2: Yeah, like muscle memory. Yeah. When it started at four point nine million, I guess the better question is like, how much did you think this seat was gonna go for? And how much did you hope it would go for? And what was the difference?
1: Well, I have to tell you uh kayon when i am getting ready for a, a high end item like that at an auction i don't really want to expect what it might bring because and i would never say it because uh well i would always imagine very 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 high you know? yeah
2: but what's high in this this thing with no history in terms right. of well no
1: it's an, an open ended thing which is one of the really fun cool things about it you know it's like You don't really know. But if I set a number too low, even to myself, that could somehow, maybe not psychologically or psychically, just affect the price. I can't put myself or anybody that I represent them to try to sell their item for them. I have to have a completely open mind. But I do think it went by everybody's expectations there, even mine, when it got to that price.
2: When it hit $28 million. How did you know it was done?
1: Well, at some point it becomes a matter of how much time you're spending asking for 29 million. You know, because that's the good thing about an auction. So there's always a chance for someone to pay more until I say, until the auctioneer says sold. I waited pretty long. It's hard to, you know, there's the time doesn't really exist when you're in an auction like that. But I wanted to ask, just give them time to think, and get a clear no and then ask again because people will change their minds. But I already knew well, heck, if I sell it for 28 million, that's going to be okay too. So, you know, it gets to a point where they know that if they want to bid, they have to bid now. And then I sold it.
2: Does the cut you get, like in your paycheck,
1: mm-hmm.
2: do you make more money the higher the thing costs?
1: It depends on the arrangement of that particular auction
2: leave it at that. Yeah. <laughs> but needless to say you must have been very happy for yourself financially after this cuz 28 million, I don't know, whatever whatever sliver of 28 million has got to feel good.
1: Well, it was it was a great experience and the, the, the overwhelming joy and excitement after it was over in the in the room was fantastic.
2: What did you do afterwards? How did you feel?
1: I almost it was just just like setting some kind of record in a in a race or something or you know it was just really exhilarating almost, almost stunning take your breath away stunning and to a person we were all there i mean everybody was just it was like a big family wedding that everything worked out great you know
2: <laughs> and i know that uh i have to imagine because <sighs> Blue Origin and, you know, the whole effort to bring humankind into space and invest in space again after all these decades um, and in the ways that, you know, it's it's now a private industry, you know, on one hand, it's clear that we have to get into space. I mean, space is, is so important and useful for the evolution of our species. And of course, at the same time, you know that there are people who are like, aren't there better ways to be spending $28 million or all this money? On what's happening here and these solutions here and I know it's not your job to figure all that out but you must be hearing and reading about some of the negative uh, reactions to this auction and this even this whole organization how do you feel when you hear those objections and what kind of things do you wish you could say or that the, maybe a different viewpoint that people aren't really necessarily taking on
1: well I'm, I'm glad you're that I it's not my I'm glad not to find out from you it's not my job to figure it out <laughs> It's getting a little difficult.
2: Yeah, it's a lot of pressure.
1: But I'm not giving up because, <laughs> what you, so you're talking about, is there, could the money be spent in other ways aside from this? Uh, and that, well, I, it's hard to, you're right about space being very exciting. When I was a kid and they were doing the space exploration, that was my thing. I loved that. I used to pretend to do that all the time. So I love that. And uh, I think, The inequality between incomes is especially egregious if it's based on gender or race. We got to stop that. But as a small businessman, and and when I do auctions, I kind of try to look at how it's a way that we establish values and what's valuable and so on. Even the stock exchange is an auction, you know. So I almost every astronaut I've heard of that because we've sold a lot of space memorabilia at at auction say that when they when they come back that seeing the earth from that perspective and they are kind of blown away by the fragility of it, the beauty of it, and they can be a pretty profound experience for them. There's a an Apollo astronaut, Edgar Mitchell, Mitchell founded an organization called Institute for Noetic Sciences. And uh, it really changes people. So maybe the more people that can experience that, the better.
2: Well, I have been invited to be an auctioneer myself. Well, I'm not auctioning off myself. Although I wouldn't rule that out. Um, But an auction house here in Connecticut is letting me come and try my hand at being an auctioneer. And so who better to ask than you for some fundamentals for me as a first time auctioneer, it's an estate sale type place. They have some other objects like FBI seizures and, you know, things like that. What are some fundamentals I can keep in mind as I step up to this experience?
1: Okay. Have you been to an auction there already? No. To see how they do it? No. Okay. So it might be good to go ahead of time if you get a chance and before it's your time to go. And just see how they run their particular auction and kind of see what that auctioneer is doing. Are you a
2: singer? I am a singer.
1: Well, then the auction chant part should come pretty easily for you. And you just try to get a little bit of thing like this. Instead of talking like this, you're talking like this, and all your sounds are blended together, and you have a little rhythm. In and then you might say, I have five now. Would you give 10 here? 10 now, 15. Thank you, 15. Here now 20. And it can be very slow. It doesn't have to be the really rapid pace thing, but it can still have a little rhythm to it, and that might help you get through.
2: That's a relief to hear that it doesn't have to be so fast all the time, and that, as long as I keep that flow going. And as a professional speaker, I should be able to do it. But it's just, there's, it's, see, I'm a little intimidated by how much may be going on in my mind and getting into that zone you get in, right? And I know you only get into the zone when you practice stuff and you do it all the time, but woo, it's a relief to know I don't have to go super
1: fast. Oh, but you're a media professional already. You won't have a problem, I don't think. You know, and even if you're going very fast, most of the words are not important. Hey, now, everybody get 25, bit, 30, 35, 40, make it 45, 50, make it 70, make it 80, make it 90, make it 100, had 100 here now, 110 all those in-between notes. But you can't do that when you're selling a, a thing for a million dollars because it's too much money to make, a, you know, it might make a mistake. But, you know, you can, you can speed it up. But the in-between words are called filler words, and you just make up your own. As long as you have those numbers in there and look people right in the eye and take your hand and, you know, say, I have your bid. I'm never gonna want you to succeed. So everybody's gonna be really nice to you. So it's gonna work out great. But if you want a little chant to to do as you're gonna be in auctioning, you know, you might try something like I here. I'm just gonna say it. You can play this back. I have one, would you give two? I have two, would you give three? I have three, would you give four? I have four, would you give five? And I have five, would you give seven? I see you're nodding your head. Just Do a little practice for yourself and just count and don't think because you can hear the numbers in your, everybody knows how to count from one to a hundred, right? So you don't think you need to practice it, but it's different to say it out loud, and you know that is from being on radio. So
2: thank you. I think that would also be a good practice to do when you're like having a panic attack or something. You know, if you're freaking out, and you're like, I have one. Can I have two? I have two? Can I have three?
1: <laughs> I never considered that, but that's, I'm a, yeah, yeah, that's good.
2: <laughs> Happy to be of service. Well, Steve Little, thank you so much for talking with me and for the advice.
1: You're welcome. Good luck.
2: Stay tuned to the end of the show to hear how I did with Steve's advice. I've already used it for a couple of panic attacks. Ten out of ten would recommend. Oh, and the $28 million Steve raised for that ticket to space? It'll be donated to Club for the Future, Jeff Bezos's foundation, which will, quote, inspire future generations to pursue careers in STEM and help invent the future of life in space. When we get back.
4: When I get up on stage, the first thing I do is try to engage someone in the crowd. Every single person becomes a different role at this play.
2: Hear how auctioneering is a lot like theater from one of the most successful charity auctioneers in the business. Plus.
3: You can beg too long, the audience get restless. When you're the people, stop making it. move on to the next item.
2: Auctioneering and life advice from America's oldest auctioneer. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Stay with me.
1: Support for this podcast comes from Hartford HealthCare. Elevating Health is funded by Hartford HealthCare. Hartford HealthCare recently celebrated the opening of the Ridge Recovery Center in Windham. Christy Scott, Vice President of Clinical Operations, describes this new state-of-the-art destination for healing.
4: Individuals will come if they're suffering from substance use disorder and get individualized treatment. They can stay up to three to four weeks and receive family therapy, individual therapy, group therapy, and lots of other holistic care like yoga, trail walking, acupuncture. So it's going to be a great place for people to come and heal.
1: For those seeking recovery, finding it close to home can sometimes be challenging.
4: Many individuals traveled to Florida and other states that have more treatment centers, so we're hoping by doubling our capacity at Hartford Healthcare, the individuals can stay in their home state with their family and support systems close by.
1: To learn more, go to ctpublic.org slash elevating health.
4: This
2: is Audacious. I'm kyone Wolf. Today the skill and wisdom of auctioneers. You just met the guy who auctioned off a ticket to space in Jeff Bezos' rocket ship for million, and later you're going to meet the country's oldest auctioneer. Plus, you'll hear how I did when I recently tried auctioneering for the first time, but right now I want you to meet Lydia Finette of New York, New York. She's an auctioneer and the International Director of Strategic Partnerships at Christie's Auction House. She's also the author of The Most Powerful Woman in the Room Is You. And if you see her in action, you'll know exactly why she can be the authority behind a title like that. Now, when you think of auctions, you might picture a fast-talking auctioneer excitedly raising the price of a prize-winning heifer or an 18th-century Danish birthing chair. But Lydia's domination in the auction world is in the charity realm. I asked her how that's different from how most people think about an auction.
4: I think that it's completely different than an auction that somebody would think about, you know, if you've seen an auction portrayed in movies, everyone's seated quietly in a room. And, you know, if you think about sex in the city where Samantha's bidding discreetly with her paddle at Christie's, actually, uh, it's really funny to watch because, you know, nobody makes a move. Everyone's always scared of raising their hand and
2: scratching their chin.
4: Yeah, exactly. Or like pulling their ear. And it's so funny because in in a charity auction, art auctions are a little bit like that. You know, there is an order to it you know if someone's bidding you kind of know who's in the room and what that might look like when you get on stage at a charity auction you are at a big dinner of usually somewhere between 200 and a thousand people crammed into a ballroom somewhere in the world they have no idea that there's an auction taking place nine times out of ten and so you're sort of thrown on stage halfway through and many people have had cocktails and you have to figure out what it is about the way that you're selling the lot or the way that you come on stage that is going to grab their attention and hold it. Because as we know, cocktails can make people a little bit loud and boisterous. And those things can be great because you can channel that energy, but they can also be very scary when you first start out and people are talking over you.
2: How much of your personality is a really important factor in what you're doing up there? Because obviously you can't get up there and And just sort of be a wet leaf that's drooping all over the place. And you can't have low energy, I imagine. But, like, how much are you bringing the best of you onto this platform to get this job done?
4: I think it is 100% personality driven. I truly do. What I realized over, you know, over 17 years of taking charity auctions, I've taken thousands of charity auctions is that if you put someone on stage and you are in a box and they are only doing their thing and they are not engaging with the audience and you will get exactly that back from the audience. Instead, what you need to do is break down that wall. The audience is part of the show. And so when I get up on stage, the first thing I do is try to engage someone in the crowd. And then I engage their table. And then it's every single person becomes a different role of this play. You know, it's 30 minutes. There's a man in red. There's a woman in blue. You know, everybody has their own moniker, their celebrity doppelganger. And that's what i found keeps a crowd because it is difficult to stand on stage for half an hour and talk, but it's not when the crowd is part of the show.
2: I gotta ask, will you tell the story about sharing a stage with Bruce? I don't I don't have to say his last name.
4: <laughs> the boss, I think is yeah. how people would know him. Yes, I've I've actually shared the stage with the boss a number of times because I've taken this auction that he supports every year. It's an auction called Stand Up for Heroes. It takes place during the New York Comedy Festival. And, you know, he's such a huge supporter of wounded veterans coming home and supporting them. And so this supports the Bob Woodruff Foundation. So the, the course of the evening is really Bruce Springsteen playing, but there are four comics, you know, Jerry Seinfeld, John Stewart, you know, A-list comics who get up on stage at Madison Square Garden. And then they kind of toss me on stage to do a paddle race between the comics and Bruce, which of course leads to the best joke ever, which is always I'm the only thing standing in, way, in the way of Bruce Springsteen right now. And, I, and there, is only way you're, there is only one way you're getting him out here. And that comes from putting your hand up. And so then after he plays a couple of songs, I get back on stage and auction off his guitar. And it's this amazing moment where I stand next to him and he's playing his guitar. And it's, you know, it always sells for so much, but the best part is that he keeps throwing out additional things while I'm sort of up there. So it starts off with, I'm selling his guitar. We are at you know 5,000, 10,000, and all of a sudden we're at $250,000 and it's crazy amounts of money. He has such fans. And then we stop at 250 and he leans over and says, This
0: guitar a one hour guitar lesson and a lasagna dinner at
2: my house.
4: And all of a sudden, here we go again. It's bidding and bidding and bidding. And then. A ride
2: right around the block. Wait, wait. wait. In my
3: sidecar of my motorcycle.
4: <laughs> Finally, we get to the, the highest. I think we were at 350,000, and he leaned over and said, I would just say, I will give front row tickets to my show. You can come backstage, but you will have to bring your own drugs because the band doesn't share. (laughs) And I, you know, I am not, uh, I was such a prude and it made me laugh so hard. And I said, well, this is exactly how we sell things at Christie's. So we sold it for $370,000. And then at the last minute, he leaned over and said, double it meaning let's sell it twice. So we sold it twice, the whole opportunity, another guitar, his mom's lasagna, et cetera, et cetera. And we sold it for 370,000 twice for the Bob Foundation. And that was just a moment, if you can imagine how did you how did you comfort, how did you sleep that night what did
2: you do afterwards did you, how do you come are you still on the cloud from that however many years ago it was
4: <laughs> you know it's funny i have a routine after that one because it really is such an amazing auction. i mean being on stage at madison square garden in front of 6000 people is its own its own moment but i always go afterwards with my brother and sister who live in the city and one of my best friends we used to go to the spotted Tig and grab a burger because it's really you know it's still open at midnight and so we would go there and have a, a hamburger and kind of celebrate the evening but you know I'm a mom of three so the next morning I get up and I go to school with my kids and it's hilarious in New York how many people go to these events and then the next day I see them at drop off in the morning and so you know I'm dropping off my kids and someone said I saw you last night on stage with Bruce Springsteen um and it's just it's such a wild it's such a wild ride but it's so fun. <sighs>
2: All right. Now let's talk about women in this world. In the auctioneering world in general, it doesn't seem like a lot of women do this kind of work. Why do you think that is? And what do you think it would take to attract more women to this field?
4: I think in the beginning, when I first started taking auctions, that was absolutely the case. I mean, not only was I only really the only woman doing it, I was treated like the only woman doing it. You know, my table was always the kids table in the back. I had to have 15 conversations with every single organization to convince them that I had the skills to do what they needed to do. And I've pushed through this my entire career. I mean, even as even as recently as two years ago, this happened at an auction where it was in Germany. They were concerned I wasn't going to be able to hold the crowd. And finally a very senior guy called and was like, I don't think you understand. She's taken a thousand auctions more than any of us. Like she can do it. And I, I said to my husband, the fact that we're even having this conversation right now is so crazy. But I will say what has been so amazing is I'd started to see a lot of women come as auctioneers to my class, because I taught the class on auctioneering. And that felt great. You know, I would have classes that were 60% women when I was training them. And they started going out and taking more and more. And then more women would come back in and say, Oh, I saw Rachel do it. So I figured I could do it. And now Christie's where I still work has made a pledge this year that there's parity, there's gender parity for all of our auctions worldwide. So if there is a guy on the podium, there is a woman on the podium as well. And it's amazing. It's so wonderful to see we have these unbelievable female auctioneers all over the world taking auctions. And it's really wonderful to see it because as I've always said, it doesn't have to be bad or good. It's different. We do it differently and that's great. Because difference is great. That's what makes the world interesting and dynamic. And I think women bring a certain kind of power to the stage that men can't. And I think men bring a certain kind of power that women can't. And both of those things work. So it's been great. And it's been really fun, especially in the past year, to watch this all start, start to unfold.
2: So I am about to try my hand at auctioneering. It's not at Christie's. It's an estate auction house called Golden Gavel Auctions in East Windsor, Connecticut, and they're going to let me give it a shot. So what are some things I should be keeping in mind as I step up to the mic?
4: I think the most important thing to remember is that nobody knows what is supposed to be happening except for you. So keep a smile on your face. Always remember that your face is what makes people know that something's going wrong. You could have literally screwed up the entire lot, but if you remain calm, everyone will assume you're doing exactly what you're supposed to be doing. Bring the energy you want from the room. We talked about this earlier too. Get up there and be big because this is a performance. Auctioneering is entertainment. So entertain them, have fun with it. And don't forget that charm is a wonderful thing in auctioneering. You know, thanking the bidder, remembering to always thank the underbidder who's taken it up that far. They're just as important as the bidder in many cases. Those are qualities and, and things that keep an auction room lively and fun. So that's what I would say. Those are my top three tips. The increments, everything like that. Those can get confusing. It may, it may not. But at the end of the day, no one's going to know if you look like you're having a good time up there. That's
2: great advice. Thank you. Yeah. Well, Lydia Finette, thank you so much for talking with me and for that great advice.
4: Well, thank you so much for the opportunity. It's been such a pleasure.
2: If you added up all the years that the four guests on this show have been auctioneers, that still wouldn't add up anywhere close to the years Bertram Boyum has been alive. At 102, he is America's oldest auctioneer. I wanted to hear his reflections on the skills he's developed over his life in this field and get some advice before I go off and try it for myself. He joined me by phone from his home in Rushford, Minnesota, and we started off talking about the art. Of the chant,
3: well, you can understand many of the auctioneers today. They they think a fast chant is good, and you can't understand them. You don't know whether they want a hundred and five dollars or two hundred and five. You can't understand it. But I had many compliments over the years that we can always understand you as an auctioneer, and that to me is a very, very important. You'll never become a Hall of Fame auctioneer like I am if you're very, very difficult to understand.
2: Would you say that it's important to have a sense of humor as an auctioneer or is it all business? Like what role does humor have in the role that you play?
3: No, you, you have to have a little humor with it. It's, it's a serious business, but you have to be serious. And yet at the same time, you, you kick in a little uh, humor now and then.
2: Can you give me an example of what it sounds like to do a really good chant?
3: Sure, let's sell uh, an, an old rocking chair. Should we? Sounds great. Okay, here, here we have a, an old rocking chair. It has a cane seat. There's no holes in the cane. Who give me two hundred dollars? Who give me two? Who me a hundred dollars? I got fifty dollars now. It's seventy-five. I got fifteen and one seventy-five, seventy-five, anybody seventy-five now a hundred dollars. I got seventy-five and a one one, one, one by one now the quarter. I got a hundred dollars now the quarter, quarter anybody quarter now the half now seventy-five. Now two two, would you give it two? I got one seventy-five over here now two. Would you give it two two anybody two one seventy-five now two now the quarter. I got two hundred dollars and a quarter, quarter anybody quarter now two and a quarter now the half. I get two and a quarter now the half now seventy-five. I got two and a half over here, seventy-five. Where are you going to find another chair like this? Take a look, at that good chair, only two seventy-five. Thank you now, three hundred. Would you give me three three hundred, but three hundred dollars? Three hundred oh Oh, come on, make it even money, and you'll always remember what you pay for. Three hundred dollars. <laughs> Would you give me? Three, thank you, three hundred dollars. Now the quarter, three hundred dollars. Quarter, quarter, anybody? Quarter, quarter, anybody? Anybody? All done. All done at $300 on this nice chair, three and a quarter, three and a quarter. I sold the chair for $300, buyer number 746.
1: Woohoo!
2: <laughs> that was great. Thank you so much. <laughs>
3: <laughs> Did you buy the chair?
2: <laughs> I bought the chair. Oh, yeah, I bought it. That is my chair. I will go pick it up.
3: <laughs> the auction business is a great way to dispose of merchandise. And it's one type of business that's based on the honesty of the people more than any other business. I assume you're married and have a household, and if you were gonna have an option that put everything out on the lawn, and there are people walking around there before the auction looking at it, then you sell it to the people. And then when they buy, they buy uh, that box over there for some miscellaneous items, they, if they set it aside, It's there when they come to pick it up. Oh, once in a while we get somebody that's got long fingers and he'll pick up a box (laughs) that doesn't belong to him. But at an auction, it's very rare because we, of course, we keep our eyes open to try to watch for it too.
2: What would you say is the hardest part of being an auctioneer?
3: The, The hardest part is to keep control of the audience. There's a lot to an auctioneer that the average people don't see. For example, when when I start selling, I sell pretty fast, and I don't, you know, I get uh, over here on a on twenty now, thirty, thirty now, five, five, anybody, 35, five, thirty-five, five-five, sold at thirty dollars. Some auctioneers keep on begging, begging that they, they they think they're going to get another five or ten dollars. Well, you can beg too long; the audience get restless. When you're the people, stop bidding, sell it. Move on to the next item.
2: Well, after I am done interviewing you, I'm going to Golden Gavel Auctions in East Windsor here in Connecticut. And they're going to give me some lessons. And I'm going to do my best and auction off a few items. So I would love to hear some wisdom from you. What sort of thing should I be keeping in mind in this, my very first auction?
3: oh <laughs> <laughs> i wish I wish that, i wish I was there <laughs> No, you you just get up and then sell it you know like here's a chair uh it's an old time chair It has been well kept it's in good shape there's a uh, canned seat and there's this its chairs in good condition well kept you you have to explain each item like that to give them an idea of what you're selling
2: and make them feel confident that they should get it.
3: That's right, and then you, then you, when you got a chair like this, we'll say the chair's worth two hundred dollars. You don't start asking for ten dollars. You have got the chair. Well, here's the chair. Here, uh, should they give? Who'll give me two hundred dollars? Who'll give me two hundred? give me one hundred and fifty? Who'll give me a hundred dollars? Okay, thank you. A hundred dollars. Like I say, you don't start uh, 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 asking for ten dollars on a two hundred dollar chair. You got to get their mind thinking on the high price, on the right price,
2: and I got to be confident.
3: That's right. If you're going to sell something, you just keep talking. <laughs> you stand up there, and if you got a lot of small items, like uh, we're talking a household sale, you're selling the kitchen dishes, and the, and who knows? You got somebody up there helping you. Somebody picks up items. You should have two people. One, pick up an item and hold it, display it to the crowd, and then you sell it. And while he's doing that, well, then the other guy has got another piece. So you alternate between the two. You've got to keep moving. The crowd will get restless.
2: Well, Bertram Boyum, the nation's oldest active auctioneer, thank you so much for talking with me. And thanks for the advice.
3: You're welcome.
4: After the break.
2: 25, 25, 25, can I get 25? Am I going to keep talking until I get 25? Will I subject you to this until I get 25? You can get, stop me from talking and get back to Ralph, who knows what he's doing. 25, can I get 25? I've got my golden gavel, and I am gripping it like crazy. Your audio from my first time as an auctioneer. I'm Kyone Wolf. This is Audacious. Be right back.
3: I'll send you off to auction school, and you'll be nobody's fool. You can take your place among the best.
4: You're
0: listening to the new investigative reporting podcast in absentia, which means you're interested in getting to the facts and uncovering the truth. If you'd like to help us continue our investigative work, consider making a donation. Visit ctpublic.org tapsupport tap support and contribute today. That's ctpublic.org slash T-A-P support. Thank you for being a part of the Accountability Project. So you've never donated to this station before? That's okay. Public media giving days
3: are a great time to make your first gift. Here's how.
0: Give now
2: at ctpublic.org donate. This is Audacious. I'm Kayone Wolf. Well, it's the moment y'all been waiting for in this episode about auctioneers. My visit to Golden Gavel Auctions in East Windsor, Connecticut. Ralph Labazzo agreed to give me a few tips and let me sell a few things myself. He's been an auctioneer and appraiser for over 20 years. And one sunny July afternoon, he welcomed me to the auction house. Hi! Are you Ralph? Ralph? Yeah. I'm Kyone.
0: K- no. I wasn't sure how to pronounce your name. It's such an interesting name. Thank Kion. you. Yes, thank Kion. you so much yeah, no, for having I, me. Yeah. Cool. So. so, this is Golden Gavel Auctions. Cool. So, basically, this is our early bird auction here. All right. So, like, we just reopened last Thursday. Before that, we were doing online work. So, so now, you know, we're finally back in action. Congratulations. So, yeah, so what I thought was. I could teach you some basics of auctioneering, right? And then maybe you could sell a couple of the lots out here if, if you'd like. I'd love to. If you like. Yeah, it's fun. It's How a How hard a fun could it be? Which it is, is it a, I'm sure, isn't. an understatement. No, it isn't. It isn't.
2: We'll get there. I have, okay. I have a lot of questions about what goes on in your brain yeah, so, when you do this stuff. Yeah,
0: no, I, I'll share whatever you want. So one of the things I teach you in auctioneering school is body language and gestures. So when you're an auctioneer, your hand gestures are very important. Of course, your eye contact, right? But the other thing is hand gestures. So you're asking for people to spend money. So you should always have open palm. Never go like that because what does that mean? It's like stop. putting your
2: palm out. Stop.
0: Oh. That means stop. So like as auctioneer, you go like this, they're going to stop bidding. You may not know that, but, you know, it's just human nature. You go like this, it's just, whoa, whoa, back off. So it's always open palm. From so the bottom. Yeah, because you're asking for them to spend money.
2: Wow. Yeah.
0: And then uh, increments, you want to go about 10% of bid. So you always want to be at like 10% of your bid price. So if I'm doing $100, if I'm at $100, that'd be 100 110 120 130 140 If I'm at $1,000, 1, 1100 1200 1300 1300 1400 And then when you learn your chant, when you start school, your first day is... They'll say, you have a dollar amount, filler, and a dollar amount. Dollar amount has to be clear to the ears. Filler is your own. Could be gibberish. Dollar amount, again, has to be clear. So when you start, right? they'll say, okay, one dollar bid, bid two. Would you give me two? Two dollar bid, bid three. Would you give me three? Three dollar bid, bid... And you just got to practice, 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 and then practice your numbers, practice inflection in the voice.
2: Does a changing inflection help sort of psychologically make it more exciting? It, it does.
0: I, I try to. Like a, and also, uh, tongue twisters. They teach a tongue twister. Ready for some? Ready. You know Betty Botter?
2: <laughs> Betty Botter? Okay.
0: Betty Botter. Betty Botter bought some butter, but she said this butter's bitter. If I put it in my batter, it will make my batter bitter. So she bought a bit of better butter, put it in her bitter batter, made her bitter batter better, so it's better Betty Botter, bought a bit of better butter. So it's all that to teach you... Inflection
2: And control. And then, yeah. With that,
0: yeah. And so then they'll say, go in 10. So 10, 10, 20, 20, 20, 20, 30, 30, 40, 40, 50, 50, 50, 50, 50 60, 60, 60, 60, 60, 70, 70, 80, 80, 90, 90, 90, 90, 80, 80. And they just keep on going back and forth. So all that, by the end of the day, is just like, whew. And then you get home and they say, sell everything in your house. Sell everything in your apartment. You're driving on the highway, sell cars that are passing you or you're passing. So practice. It's constant practice. Like, practice makes perfect. It, it couldn't be truer in the auction business.
2: I know that everybody can learn, just like anything, but like, is there a kind of person that's really good at this?
0: To, to me, it's just like, you know, you have to have interest in object and interest in people. If you have that combination, then I think you do well in this industry one without the other i think you're going to flounder a little bit because interest in the person then you get to know oh yeah hey good man (laughs) interest in the person you get to know their background you buying and selling you know collectors like sometimes i'm at the podium and be like, why isn't Jim bidding on that toy lot? I, I know he loves those 60s models. I'd be like, Jim, and he's just like, oh, I didn't know it was coming up, you know? So, well,
2: so you sometimes in that kind of situation, would you be like, Jim? <laughs> you know, like in the middle of the bidding, Jim, where are you? I have $10, Jim, Jim, you going to give me 20 Jim?
0: Yeah. Quick story, right? I met my fiance at auction, right? So she was with her mom, and during preview, we just started chit-chatting. And she's just like, oh, when I was a little girl, I had this Tiffany Taylor doll, and it's in this box lot. I'm like, oh, that's really cool, Jen. You know, I hope you get it tonight. And that was it. So I'm at the podium, and the Tiffany Taylor doll comes up, and she's yakking with her mom. Like, she's not paying attention. And I just like, Jen, Jen. I'm like, I'm at the podium, like, trying within the chair. I was like, she's not listening. So I ended up buying it. And after the auction, I was really cool. I'm just like, hey, Jen, did you, did you get your doll? She was just like, it never came up. I go, no, I, I sold it. It came up. I go, you know, bear with me a little bit. Don't, don't leave yet. So I presented it to her. She's just a doll from her childhood. It had different colored hair, you know, you kind of twisted. I think that sealed the deal for me. So,
2: yeah, that's a, he- that's a hell of a way to do that. <laughs> Have you ever had an object sell at a price that really surprised you?
0: One of the, the, the highest dollar thing that we had here, right, it was a Hamden estate, this was 20 years ago, this was like, I was a newbie. Pat and I got called to a house in Hamden, Connecticut. The father had died, two sons was left everything. Beautiful, beautiful things. And this was when the market was still strong. It's changed quite a bit. And the son says, you guys, you could have everything in the house, sell to the highest bidder. Dad's really fond, he was fond of this Buddha. It was a carved wooden Buddha. It was missing its hands and it was missing its headdress. And the interesting thing about that was his body cavity was hollowed out. I'm just like, I don't know. I don't know Asian antiques. I, I, I'll tell you what I know. I'll tell you what I, I don't. But I know how to use a camera. That I could take pictures of it. We could put it on the website. And so they're just like, you know what, Dad? We saw it was five thousand. Could we have a reserve, a minimum, of five thousand dollars? Okay. Yeah, everything else is going to the highest bid. Cool. We drew it up with a reserve of five thousand. As soon as it gets posted, a guy from Manhattan is just like, oh. I'd like to do a private viewing of the Buddha. I'm just like, all right, dude, you're going to lose a day of your life to drive from Manhattan to East Windsor and back home again. Sure, you know, pick a date. So he's, I have the Buddha set up in my office. He's like, all, he's like all excited about it. I'm looking at him. He's looking at the Buddha. He's just like, what's it going to take to own it? I said, I can't sell it outright. It has to go to bid. Would you, would you open it for $7,500? So he's just like, yeah, get me on the phone for $7,500. So after he leaves, I call the sons. I just like, you guys, I don't know what it's going to sell for, but we have a firm bid of $7,500. So it's going it's to find a new home. It's more than $5,000. Happy. Week of the sale, he's just like, I still am going to commit to the bid, but I'm going to be present so you don't have to call me. I'll be at the hall. So Pat was auctioneering. I actually was the runner for the Buddha. $7,500, $10,000, $12,50, dollars It ends up going for seventy-five. dollars thousand dollars and after the auction he bought it i I go up to him i go you know i'm ignorant to this thing what did you buy you own it doesn't change anything right yeah so it was like an eighth century temple buddha anything that was deemed important would have been stored in the body cavity and he says the value of it if it retained its hands and its headdress there'd be blood on the ground for this thing in terms of value so that was the most dramatic thing you know in terms of value, it's just like, you know, roll the dice, hope that it's worth 5,000, no, it was worth so many times that.
2: Now, in terms of the business side of this, how does the money break down?
0: So we take a commission on the sale of goods, and it's an inverted scale. So the more valuable the thing, the smaller a commission we take. So it goes from a high of, say, 50% for the more mundane things, box lot material. To 20%, which would be things a thousand dollars or more, so it works. You know, yeah. it just I try to be really fair with pricing and everything, so that the family's taken care of, the company's taken care of, and it's all good.
2: Is there ever a time where you're in an environment that's not an auction house or an auction at all, and you find yourself using the skills that you've developed as an auctioneer?
0: A good question. I, I I guess it happens without like thinking about like maybe if I'm in line for a coffee or something, I'll, I'll start you know thinking about it like like you know if. <laughs> gosh, this person can't decide what to order. Like, maybe if I, you know, offer it at different prices, it might be more entertaining
2: for them. Maybe you know. could be like, you'd like a venti soy latte? Do you want a soy latte with whole milk? Do you want a soy latte with skim? I'm not sure how lattes work or soy. <laughs> uh. Exactly. Oh, well, you do. Okay, good. Right. We'll see. We'll yeah, see about that.
0: Yeah. No, I, I trust that you're going to do just fine. All right. Thanks.
2: Whew. All right. So it's starting to get busier in here excitement levels rising oh yeah
0: yeah that too yeah
2: so i'm just gonna like trail you and learn some things and then
0: but at some point i'd like you to sell something if you're cool with it okay Uh, i am i'm gonna take some mental notes
2: and then i'll hop hop in at your test test.
0: all right welcome everybody all right welcome everybody welcome back beautiful crowd good to see everyone we're going to get back to selling outside Early bird auction, terms and conditions real quick. There's an 18% buyer's premium discount by 3% for cash good check. Most major credit cards except in tonight's auction. There are a number of apps to bids. Pat and I'll be executing apps for the podium. Underbid a bit of always over to he or she's bidding against. We're gonna be starting out of here, folks, with, um, we got SJ. Uh, SJ,
1: you got the whole row of original All right, SJ, desk. you can start yeah. teaching. Yeah, you start yeah. me. Yeah. <laughs> $50. Whole row you
0: got. Whole row. 50 out of 50 out of 50 out of, out of 40 out of 40 out of the school desk. 40 out of 40 to 30. 30 out of 30 to 20. What's your pleasure? 20 out of 20. 10. 10, 10, 10, 10. 15, yep, yep. 10, 15, 20, now 20 bit of 20 out of now. 25 out of the 25. 25 of 20. Start your school. 25 out of 25. 20 to bid, 25. 20 to, 25. 20 to 25. Oh, we've done it. 20 bit of 25 so for 20 buyer number six Number six takes buyer number See, uh, six all right we're gonna we're gonna switch off for our guest auctioneer
2: okay you've never done it before so be nice <laughs> <laughs> hey everybody my name is kione wolf i'm with connecticut public radio i have no idea what i'm doing
4: That's okay, but i
2: did get a little bit of a crash course beforehand i know that silence is not good uh when you're an auctioneer you never want to stop talking and it's a good thing i'm on the radio because i never stop talking because i'm on the radio so that's all I got. Um, please be, be, be gentle. Thanks. Okay, so what are we doing? This is a 16-inch bench scroll saw. It's made by Tradesman. It's got a red color and it's got black. And the box looks a little rugged, but aren't we all a little rugged inside? Uh, we're gonna start the bidding at. $20. I have, well, do I have $20? $20? It's a whole thing. You cut yep. That's $20. I see twenty Can I get $22? 20, 25, 25 25 I see $25. $25 for yeah, this piece no. of art. It's a piece of work that's going to make another piece of work for you. It's a piece of art. <laughs> and we got $20, which is very generous, but maybe 25, 25 to get 25 Can I get 22 $22. $22. Oh, we got yep. $22 over here. What good taste do you have? It? $25. Do I hear? 20, now we got 25 coming right. 25 is on its way. 25, 25 is a nice round number. We love 25, 25 is a quarter of a 100. It's not a hundred dollars for this thing, it's just $25. You guys see 25, 22, 20, 25, 25. 25, can I get 25? Am I going to keep talking until I get 25? Will I subject you to this until I get 25? And you can get, stop me from talking and get back to Ralph, who knows what he's doing. 25, can I get 25? Or are we going to final I this at 22? Got, I think you got 20. We got 22! <claps> oh, <laughs> Thirty-eight. 38's 30 so 30. 30. your buyer. 38's my buyer. Thank you Never say very much. You got Thank you. You got another piece. You got more. God. You know oh, more. God, dear God, you know I'm so so Oh, lucky you, if you want to clean up the ruins of your life, you can have Shark Navigator. Vacuum, don't we all just want to vacuum up all of our troubles? This is going to start at, what do you think? It should start at oh, 50 $50. $50 is a bargain for the, It says professional on the box. If you ever want to be a professional in your life, congratulations. You can be a professional with $50. Do I have $50? $50. Anyway, we got $30. $30. 30, 30, 30 yeah, we have $30. We're going to go to $35. Yep. $35 right here. Thank you. I'm gesturing outside. We have $40. $40 is the next going up. And then we're going to do $45. Okay. And you know what? Oh, I hear $50 right behind me. $50 makes you a professional. Isn't that something yeah, I mean else you can go to see? We have $50. we are going to go for $55. We have $55 over here. Thank you very much. Do I see your 60 60 right behind me. Do we have 65 $65 is a nice number. You feel good about that. It's a shark. $65 for a shark. $65. 65. Thank you. We have $65. Do I have $70? You we, got have 70. It. we have 70 We have 70, $70. Let's go $75. $75 is three quarters of a hundred. I graduated high school, but just barely. $75. Do I hear $75 for a shark? It's a shark, and you don't even have to feed it except with the crap on your floor. $75. Do you like $75? I love $75. $75. Do we go $75? I love $75. I'm going to say $75 over and over again. I think that's it. So we have. Seventy dollars. Sold
4: 400. to four hundred. You ready for one more? Oh yeah. god!
2: Shark <laughs> week. Oh, <I> missed opportunity. <laughs> I, know I Tried to tell you. Pretty good at
3: this. <laughs> All right, you got a hot commodity. It's a coffee pot. <laughs> oh,
2: good Brando. coffee. That's what we need more of right now. Is coffee. Coffee. Yeah, I sure no. can use some coffee. Maybe you can make me some coffee after this. So we have the psycho <laughs> renaissance <laughs> collection coffee maker. We're gonna start this at. Ten bucks. Ten dollars? Are you kidding me? A ten over yeah. here. Thank you. We have ten. Do we have fifteen? We gotta have fifteen for this. It's a brand new coffee maker. And if you could do fifteen dollars on this, you could do fifteen dollars on a bag of coffee. You would spend fifteen dollars on a bag of coffee, let alone a coffee maker. So do I hear fifteen dollars on a coffee maker? A coffee yeah. we have yes, yeah. we have good taste in coffee makers. Do I hear 20? twenty? Twenty yeah. is even. We got twenty in the green. We got twenty in the green. Thank you so much. Do I hear twenty-five? That nice quarter of a yeah, hundred. Twenty-five dollars over here. Twenty-five do I hear thirty. We've got thirty. Thirty dollars for this brand new coffee maker. Thirty dollars. Are you kidding 30. me? That's Thirty dollars. Thank you very much. Thirty-five dollars. Thirty-five. 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 Thirty-five dollars is like two gourmet bags. Thirty-five. Up. We have forty. Forties even. Forties. Two twenty-dollar bills. You have two twenty-dollar. But I know there's taxes and stuff. I learned about that today. $40 for this brand new coffee maker. I'm gonna have to have a cup of coffee. Yay! $40. Uh, we got $40 right. great. $45? T- $45. 40, uh, 45. Right away, $45. $45 is on the table. $45, $45. You could you can think about all the coffee you could drink for $45. Since it's a $45 machine. $45 for this coffee maker. Do I hear $45? $45, $45, $45, $45, gibberish, uh, uh, gibberish. And we're good at 40 Sold to number 87
3: all right. Awesome. Good job. Awesome. Thank you,
2: awesome. thank you. Back to Ralph. Back right. to the awesome professionals. Thank you. Thank you. No more talking to you. you. Jeez, that's <laughs> exhilarating. Thank <Awesome>. you. That's the life of the auctioneer. Well, that was a total rush. Big thanks to Ralph Labazzo and the whole family at Golden Gavel Auctions in East Windsor. You can check out their auctions every Thursday, starting at 5.30. Find out more at goldengavel.com. And if you want to see a video of my efforts behind the mic there and photos from my visit, go to ctpublic.org slash audacious. This show is produced by me, Jessica Severin De Martinez, Kelly Langevin, Missy Carvalho, and Katie Talarski at Connecticut Public Radio in Hartford. Subscribe and you'll always get to hear the show a day early. Plus, you can listen back to shows featuring things like what I was mad about at the end of my first experience at a nudist resort. And what happens when you call the number on the bottom of those I Love You Jesus billboards? You can hear that and then some at ctpublic.org slash audacious or wherever you get your podcasts. And thanks for leaving that positive appraisal. See what I did there on the show? Like this one from Jets Fan. So extremely engaging. I absolutely love this podcast. I have so many podcasts to choose from, but this is the one I'm always drawn to. Kayon asks the most thoughtful questions in the most sensitive ways. And the topic she chooses to highlight always illuminates a subject I've not understood before. Thank you, Jets fan. My ego appreciates it, too. Leave an audacious review of your own on Apple Podcasts, and I just might read it on the show. Send me your reactions and show ideas on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter at Kion Wolf. And my email is cwolf at ctpublic.org. And online, use the hashtag audacious public. Thanks for listening of the auctioneer.